and welcome to the Traceability Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Edwards. Today, our guest is Doug Goldberg. Doug is a well-known business analyst, trainer, and consultant. Uh, He's worked with Bridging the Gap and Laura Brandenburg and recently received his business architecture certificate. So welcome, Doug. We're excited to have you here and hear your story. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, having me on this session, Tracy. So I know you've been a BA for a long time, and you've gotten to a point in your career where you've got some influence in the BA community. And I just wanted to kind of maybe start back at the very beginning. How did you get to be a BA? I know that at one point from your conversation with Yamo, you had indicated that you were a chef. And so how did you uh, go from being a chef to being a BA and et cetera? Boy, that was a that was a long time ago. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I was a sous chef for a while while I was in school. It's really hard work, and I got to hand it to the people that do that for a lifetime. But I enjoyed it, but it wasn't for me. And I started working in communications, corporate communications. Started uh, working in over over time. I worked for a small company in the Dallas area that needed some help uh, running their software for healthcare. And I fell into that because I became a power user at a local hospital and they needed somebody to write their user manual and, and do everything. So that was early technical writing, configuration management, things like that. And that that just kind of grew and I became their SME, if you will, went out to customer sites and that then they asked me to write their online help for their software. So a little more technical writing, a few gigs like that became a more advanced work in those areas. And eventually I heard the term uh, business analysis, business analyst, and started looking into that a little bit more. And it was surprisingly just like what I was already doing. Uh, Cause I was already kind of pushing the boundaries of what I could do with with the writing aspect and realizing that there was a lot to be said from more of a technical lean, like the technical team was would call in the technical writer at the last minute, you know, right before they're ready to roll out and deploy their software back when it was on floppy disks. But they really, they had a lot to say to be included in the technical writing for their customers. And so I started to do some of that for different firms. And I realized that it wasn't quite touch the software, figure out how to use it and write it up. There was a little bit more to it than that. That was the early days of, I guess, becoming a business analyst. I did several years of that. And then I got really worked up one year and I thought, you know, I'm at the top of my career and I'm never going to get any further. This was 2007 or 2004. Sorry. I decided I'm going to become a coder and boy, was that a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I started learning it from the ground up with a mentor and I hated it. It was, it was terrible, but I will tell you that it's probably the best experience to take forward as a business analyst, because I realized I could have some intelligent conversations with the technical team and keep them in check while they kept me in check. You know, so we were on level playing ground at that point. And 
that really helped my career going forward because I became kind of a crossbreed of functional and, and technical analyst. And it just kind of grew from there over time, one company after another. And uh, it, I've been really fortunate. You know, I've had fallen into some roles and I've gotten some roles that I didn't think I could do. They were really stretch. I've been real fortunate to find some really good positions, get good promotions, earn a good living and do something that I, I really, truly love doing. I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned. You, you'd kind of uh, at one point sort of had enough with the uh, business an- analysis, kind of segued your career a little bit. I, I think it's interesting to kind of point out that I think a lot of us feel that way. Business analysis is communication intensive and, and sometimes that communication can be a challenge and you can feel like you're sort of bumping up against a closed door. <laughs> yeah. Kind of or having thing. it closed on you. <laughs> right, right. Awesome that you, you know, were kind of willing to pivot and and try something else to to see if you could sort of relieve some of that tension that you were feeling and, and such. And even better that I could come back with a new insight into what I was in and new appreciation for what I was doing before and just kind of lost sight of that. And I think that that's just, you know, sort of the ebb and flow of a career and yeah, awesome that you were able to recognize that. So have you always been in the healthcare space? No, I, I did that for five years, six years, six years. And then I moved into um, a consulting company initially as a consultant. And then I, I moved uh, to the internal side and um uh, became a global operations analyst, which is which is what I'm doing now. And I built a really good core of uh, business and technical colleagues in my organization that uh, not only trust me, but they rely on me to give them the straight scoop on not only what they want to hear, but what they don't want to hear. And they know that... Um, through that relationship building that uh, they're going to get it. They appreciate it. They just don't always want to appreciate it, right? They they know that the information that they get from me is going to be something that they can utilize to mitigate risk foremost and, and plan a schedule. So being able to uh, craft those and maintain those relationships to the degree and to the breadth of what I've experienced has been really fulfilling being in the training and mentoring realm of of what I do too. the relationship aspect and the people aspect is very important to me. Absolutely. And I, I think it's interesting as as you talk about, um, you know, how they do appreciate the, the honest communication, because I think often that's something we might get knocked for saying, perhaps saying no too often or, bringing up the risks and and that kind of thing. But it's also often the thing that in the long run ends up getting appreciated. What are some of the techniques that that you use for some of that influencing without authority? I know it's something um, Bob the BA talks a lot about influencing authority without authority and, and that kind of thing. What are some of the techniques that you have found useful for that? The biggest thing I pay attention to is not playing one against the other because 
in in the internal organization that that I work in, there's a number of geographies. There's a number of regions in those geographies. There's COO leadership, and they all have different agendas. Even along the same initiative, they have different agendas and different needs. What I've tried to do is be as impartial as I can when it comes to one against the other. I try to actively listen. I'm I'm recognized, you know, based on annual review comments and things like that. I'm I'm recognized for bringing consensus and being the level-headed in a intense situations to draw out common understanding and and highlight issues that um, one business unit might not recognize from the other business unit because you know there's silos that go up people can only see what they can see sometimes so I think they have an appreciation for a broader view of the organization that they work in simply by working on these overarching projects that I happen to be part of well, it sounds like from that perspective that you were sort of uniquely positioned or at another pivot point moving into the business architecture space. Yes. And that was a direct result of the product owner piece. So the short version is as the product owner on these integrated projects, I began to see things that weren't going correctly. And it was very difficult at the time to really articulate what was wrong. Like I knew, I knew in my gut something was wrong. Like things weren't lining up. People weren't talking to people. People didn't know about initiatives that they should have known about because we were bringing them in on the same thing. There were, there were a lot of gaps in system coverage and, and data overlaps or, or gaps in data coverage that just didn't match up. And as a business analyst, I was really struggling to articulate the the scope and the depth of what the problems were because, the, uh, for instance, one of the projects was an enterprise integration across two companies with 22 systems. So there were there were a lot of pieces and parts that were difficult to really point your finger at. You know, that's where the problem starts and doing root cause analysis on a moving target was almost impossible. So that difficulty in being able to raise the flag and which I consider communicating risk to leadership and obligation of the business analyst. And so I could go to them and say, there's a risk. And as soon as they said, well, what is it? You know, I kind of floundered. So I began to look into why I was struggling to be able to tell that story of what was going on. And I, I kind of stumbled across business architecture. I realized that the nature of the business architecture constructs and the framework and the ability to use that as a communication vehicle, because it's, it brings transparencies to the, to the parts of an organization that are often hidden from view from uh, strategic planners or from uh, tactical project work. Being able to tie all that stuff together would allow me to put the pieces together to fill in the holes in my own story. And the more I got into it, the more I realized that this was the piece that was really missing for me. And 
you know, the other side to it is that I was already um, at the point in my career I'd been doing it at that point, probably 22, 23 years. Sometimes the the work can be redundant. Sometimes the work can be at both ends of the spectrum. In my case, it was kind of the same thing day after day. And it was a lot of, as we talked about with the product owner uh, role, it was a lot of um, attention and political balancing and things like that. And I was looking for a better way to bring value to the organization and a better way to make myself relevant. Uh, I'm 55 years old now, so I have to, I had to figure out a way to stay relevant as a uh, older professional or, or aging professional so that, you know, I can make a living and do what I need to do until retirement. And I felt that being able to broaden my skill set significantly would, would help that. And that's, that's when I started digging into to business architecture. And that was about two years ago. I went through a lot of that same thing a couple of years ago in the organization I was in. It could get so siloed and you would work on so many small tactical things that uh, I often wondered how was I providing value and how did the things that I was working on help the company and help help the company and their goals. And, and I actually uh, got my master's in enterprise architecture because of that looking more like you at the business architecture and how can we align the organization, that kind of thing. So I'm 50, so I'm going through a lot of the same, uh, you know, preparation for retirement and, and preparation for, you know, sustaining the career even longer term and that kind of thing. So I, I very much um, relate to that. So where do you think you're going to end up uh, going with the business architecture is there a, is there a role that you foresee in your current organization or actually I'm building it I think when I was when I started the business architecture uh, journey if you will the first thing I did was reach out and, and get a mentor as she started taking me through things what I realized was I was struggling to put concepts to you know, where the rubber meets the road, make sense of what the concepts meant in real life. And so what I did was I would listen to, you know, what she was saying. I would go and kind of regurgitate it and digest it. And then I started building out a rudimentary business architecture framework for the company I work in just to have something to say, okay, this is what I see every day. This is how it lines up to what she's teaching me. And it became something that I could, as as it grew, and it's not it's not real big by any means, but the some of the key pieces are in there, like capabilities and what I thought were value streams for my organization, and it changed the way I thought because I was building it and and having to think through how things are supposed to be built and uh, described. So as it grew, the pieces started to come together as I cross mapped them. And then I realized that I was at the point where I could start telling the story to uh, some of my uh, local um, internal management teams to help solve small problems. And last year, our small conversations like that, little 
30 minute conversations here and there and they happen and then nothing happens. They happen and then nothing happens. But I learned that people started to talk and share that, you know, there was a different perspective being shared by me. And, you know, my boss got me uh, some exposure at the time uh, with some of the lead- other managers and leaders, you know, take a listen to this, see what you think about, about it. And even if it doesn't make sense, you're getting that message out there a little bit at a time. And then we had some movement just in November. By this coming April, I should be in a position to be the organization's voice of business architecture. Now, I don't know what that means yet, but I don't, I don't really care. You know, it's, it's going to give me an opportunity to, to practice and to add value to my organization. And, you know, one thing we didn't touch on before is we were talking about problems, right? And difficulties in organizations. And I think it, it needs to be said that even well-run organizations like, like mine and, and probably like yours, there's still problems. Nothing's ever perfect, right? And the, the people that are tasked to manage and plan and run the organizations I found, at least in my organization, they didn't, they didn't have half the chance, uh, they needed to be as successful as they are because they don't have the information that they need, whether it's systemic or, you know, functional capability or data. We have, we have the ability to make them more successful by giving them better information about different things. And, the architecture lays all that out for us to be able to do that. And it's been um, quite an enlightening journey, I must say. And I also must say it was very, it's very different than business analysis. It's definitely a different headspace. (laughs) Yeah. I did not know that when I started. Yeah. I thought I was a shoe in, but boy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm still trying to get there sometimes. It's, um, sometimes hard to sort of pull the head up and be able to verbalize what it is that you're saying and, and give it the, you know, the big picture that that needs to be given and, and that kind of thing. But it sounds like you're, you know, well on your way. And, and that's awesome that your organization is giving you some recognition for, for that. They've been very supportive. They don't know what it is they're supporting, but they've been very supportive. <laughs> that That's terrific. That's sort of a, a lesson, I think, for organizations in, in general. Sometimes um, they uh, would like to sort of keep us in a BA box kind of, kind of thing and and have us doing sort of the, the one thing that's in the job description and uh, having uh, the mentors that are willing to listen to you and willing to champion you and the mindset that's open to that is is really so important i would agree and being able to have the opportunity to have those conversations even if they got they go nowhere i always went in with the thought that i'm having the conversation i'm being able to try to sell the value of business architecture and business analysis at the same time. And if they don't do anything with it at the very minimum, I'm getting practice in that elevator pitch, right? I'm getting better every time I do it. 
it's been really rewarding. Nothing's really come of it yet. It's just little wins along the way that hopefully will add up to something good. I think that's another important thing to call out is there is, there is movement. There is, um, it can often feel like there's not movement, but there is progress. It may seem slow, but, but progress is progress. As far as lessons learned, uh, maybe as we wrap up, um, as you've uh, seen in your career and experienced and have some feelings about it, what are some of the sort of the lessons learned for you that you would maybe share with uh, other business analysts as they run into some of these same philosophical (laughs) questions? I think there's probably two I could quickly call out. One is don't ever get complacent. And that's much easier to do in a corporate environment than it is if you're a, a contractor or a freelancer because you're you're in that box by default, right? And you're with the same people every day. And it's just human nature to sit back on your laurels and run the course. That is changing as continuous learning becomes more prevalent, but it's still very easy to do. And I realized some time ago that I needed to make some changes, you know, to, to keep up with what was going on. And it's still extremely difficult. And I study something every day. The other one is that the, the effort that you put into being accountable to yourself for your career path is proportional to what you will get out of it. And if you don't really put a lot of effort in and you, you're on the boards or you don't network or you're not really staying abreast of current activities. Your, your value declines for what you can produce for yourself to keep yourself relevant. And it also declines for what you can produce for your, your customers and stakeholders. So it makes it double hard on you to do the best that you can and be the best that you can for yourself. And when I uh, manage or mentor people, you know, my point of view is, is push yourself hard because they're always concerned about their goals, you know, their annual goals and everything. I said, push yourself hard to train yourself in something new and something interesting and something relevant. And the organization will, uh, by default, reap the benefits from you. And you'll be a much happier individual because you'll be doing something for yourself. That's That's been kind of a guiding principle for me. And I'm glad it has because... Where I work, there is no business architecture training. There's not even the term business architecture, really. Everything I've done for me has been at, on, on my initiative, right? They've paid for some of the training. I've eaten some of the training myself. But the the satisfaction of having gotten to where I am now is fantastic. And the satisfaction of knowing that I can give back to the business and help them really succeed is uh, really exciting. That is so exciting and and such a great feedback for those who, who are listening and contemplating their next moves and hopefully uh, they will uh, embrace that message. Thank you so much for being with us today for for taking time to uh, share your journey with us. How can folks find you? I am on LinkedIn and uh, I am at Doug Goldberg at gmail.com. Great. 
we will make sure that the, that message gets out there. And if you have liked what you've heard uh, from Doug today, or there's some message that resonated with you, send me an email at uh, Tracy, T-R-A-C-I-E at traceabilitypodcast.com or follow us on Facebook at Traceability Podcast. So thanks, Doug, so much for your time. Good luck with your business architecture journey. Thank you for having me as a guest. I enjoyed it.